Paula, tell me something that you learned from our time at Catholic Art War Camp, Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> just just one thing, like lead off. What's the what's the one thing? And then I'm going to tell you the one thing that I learned. Oh, jeez. Right? Because there's a lot of stuff, but I, I want you to just start with the, the one thing. It's really hard. There's a lot of things. Mm. Wait. No. Just, too just many choices. First, first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Teenager, teenagers are capable of being vulnerable. Awesome. Good. Yeah. Right. And they want to be heard. My first thing. Okay. I never want to do a two-day bus trip with teenagers again. <laughs> <laughs> you really – you know what? We all had the opposite experience. We really enjoyed it. Good. Okay. I'm glad. Because <laughs> I, I think – well, first of all, let, let me tell you. I think. Wait, wait. Tell me why you didn't like it. I know you didn't sleep. I don't know why. Uh, no. Two days on the bus couldn't sleep. That's why. That's just, why. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that our our teens were amazing. Yeah. They were outstanding. I mean, we had issues. Every but step of the, every but every group has every issues. Every group can have something like that. But compared to things that I've I've heard about or that I've seen in in other situations, mm -hmm. our group was amazing. Yeah. They they were they were so good. Uh, they they were well there. behaved on the bus. <laughs> they, they, I mean, that's because they were tired. Yeah, exactly. But maybe that that works. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, we, we shouldn't do two days like this. Although, all right, so this is what a guy told me. Yeah. I, mean, I was talking to a guy from, from Memphis uh -huh. who goes to Catholic Heart with okay. his group. And he said what they do is instead of stopping overnight, they just have drivers positioned along the way. And they said it's actually cheaper for them to pay for an individual driver to be positioned somewhere that they meet them. And then they switch drivers. So one driver is there. The other driver goes and like crashes for the night, sleeps, sleeps. That's what I tried to do. Yeah. And they said, he said, that's the way to mm -hmm. do it is, is just have, have mm -hmm. sort of relay. So you drivers. could just go straight there. Yeah. That's what I and tried drive to all do. the way through. And I'm thinking, you know what, in, in the future, we're going to find a way to do that. Yeah. If that means a different bus company, fine, whatever. That, that might mean a different bus right. company. Hey, whatever, whatever I, I tried to go that route and they said, no, we can't. My, my other thinking is like, let's, we can try to find something that's a little bit closer. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Teenagers can be vulnerable. Yeah. Talk about that. So it was my favorite. This was definitely my favorite Catholic Heart Work Camp because all these kids had come in all with different stories and different experiences throughout quarantine and how many of them have been running away from their own hearts, mm. um, running away from feeling, running away, um, running into numbness. And some of the boys were just like, yeah, I'm just here to like fool around and like, you know, go through the motions. We had a couple of testimonies that kind of said that that reality. Um, and then as the week progressed, I think the reason why I loved the bus trip so much was because they were all getting, they were getting acclimated to each other. So by the time we actually got to camp, um, they all kind of knew each other a little bit more and it made it almost easier for them to enter into fellowship with each other. And then I loved, which I wasn't happy about in the beginning, but at Catholic Art Work Camp, usually you're sent into groups with other people from across the country. This year, because of COVID, you could only be in work groups with your own, um, with your own youth group. And I was like, well, what's the point? Like me, I personally love meeting other kids from other other camps because I just I get excited to evangelize them. Yeah. So I just love having conversations and we talk. But this time, our groups were all we were split into three groups. And, and I thought it was all, all of our kids all together. Well, two thirds of our group were all together at a community Sorry, no, school. I, I mean, oh. the, each, each group, each group. Was, yeah. It was just, our kids. yeah, just our kids, yeah. just our kids. And it was awesome because Catholic art work camp is amazing, but most of these kids don't really get to know each other outside of youth group. Yeah. And so when you are split up between all the different youth groups, yeah, you make friends with everybody else. But then when you come home, 
you don't really still know the people you went to work camp with. Sure. This was amazing yeah. because they got home and they're like, they won't stop hanging out. Uh, they came to adoration. A few of them came to adoration this past Tuesday. And then I get a phone call saying, Hey Paula, do you want to join me at 16 handles? And so there I joined like seven of them. That's awesome. They plan to go out of adoration and they wanted to hang out afterwards and they wanted me to be a part of it because they didn't want it. They didn't want the experience that they had over the course of eight days to stop. Yeah. And so like they're, they're realizing the, the necessity of community, but what they did was I was so proud of them. They were intentional about it because community isn't just done. It's intentionally thought out. You, you show up, you participate and I think by far this group is the one that highlights it the best in my six years nice. that I've been a youth minister. Like, um, just explaining to them the vision of community and, and we discuss this, how community is a sacramental. Um, it reminds us of God's love for us. It, it's a way in which we can receive grace from other people and how God works in that. And I saw this group of teens really take this to heart. And some of them had forgotten the gift of community. Some of them had sure. forgotten like the gift that they are well, they, loved. If, yeah. And if you think about it, they've spent over a year with limited interaction. Yeah. They've spent a year doing a lot of remote stuff. So they've, they've been home a lot. And I hope that that's helped them to, to grow in their, their friendship with their own families and yeah. to grow in that relationship. But they, they haven't really had these opportunities to, to get out. Mm -hmm. and the other thing that I loved with this, with this group, and we had a lot of underclassmen. It was awesome. Who came along. Yeah. And so for them, it was the first time they had the chance to do something like this. And so the first time experience of Catholic Heart War Camp was, was really special. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it was the, the idea, this was sort of their first foray into the world independently, mm -hmm. away from, from their, their parents. For some of them, some of them have done things like this before where they've gone to different camps. But this was also for most of them, if they have gone to camps, it's been a sleepaway camp, it's been a scout camp, it's been a sports camp. Yeah. They've not done something that's specific to their faith, and that's a, an expression of how they're going to live their faith. And so mm -hmm. that, that opportunity to go and live their faith at a camp, and then to to know that everybody who was there was there for that purpose. Yeah. And I think that changed their, their mentality too. You might get on a bus and, and go to some kind of a trip or something and it's just kind of goofy, but they all kind of held themselves to a certain standard of, of behavior and conduct and everything. This is how we have to act, right? This well, is, I'm going to say some of them they, did. They, they didn't always succeed. But <laughs> That's where I had to come yeah, in, but, they, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. And they, right. they had the sense of they this realized is, this what is this what was. Doing. Right. Yeah. And my favorite was one moment when this kid comes up to me and it's, Four corners. So this is an opportunity where teens can go write a reflection later, a letter to the Lord. Um, they can pray a rosary. Um, they can go to confession. They can talk to an adult. So one of them comes with to me with his three friends, and he just sits there and he's just like, "I don't get this. I'm not connecting with anything. I'm really confused." And that for me was my favorite question that I was yeah. asked. Besides the question from this other student who looked me in the face and asked me what's the difference between golden girls and spice girls and authentically <laughs> asked me this question. Um, the question yeah. from this other teen at four corners was way more deep. No, he was, he was honest about now, that. Now I'm just picturing Betty White singing. I'll tell you what I want. What I really, <laughs> I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. But it's just Betty White doing it. That's and so bad. It's, it's a little bit disturbing. It's a, it's a great image, though. Oh, my oh gosh. My no, no, you just ruined it for me. No, I hope that I've made it better. Yeah. Because, wow. uh, so anyways, the back to the teen <laughs> at Four Corners. He looked at me with his three friends, and, and you know these were boys that had come on the trip. And, and he was genuinely like, I don't understand. Why am I not getting it? Yeah. Also, he realized he wasn't really interested in it, but he had the humility to come to me saying, 
honestly, this is where I'm at. What's going on? And then I explained to them the mind of a ninth grade boy. And it's like light bulbs went off. And he goes, you had to tell them what they were thinking. Or not thinking or why they couldn't think because right. they they hadn't built certain habits and like you know your brain isn't developed until you're 25 like there's a lot of things against them biologically but also this is the first time you've had to not be surrounded with noise and you don't know what to do with it yeah. it's not your fault and and like it's like he understood i'm like oh right so like so i asked him i i, I literally said to him i was like so if i asked you what was going on in your mind and in your heart you'd probably look at me and say, I don't know. And he started laughing because he knew exactly that's what he yeah. would have said. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Jerry Seinfeld joke. Oh, is it? Yeah, he's, he's got this whole routine. He says, do you want to know what men are thinking? Nothing. I'll, I'll tell you what men are thinking. You want to know? Nothing. Nothing. That's a, it's great. It's, right. it's a brilliant line because it's true, especially kids in high school, boys in particular. Yeah. There, there's a certain they're, – they're not thinking of certain things. They're, they're not aware of it. They're not even aware that they – ought to think certain things. Right. So you put them in an environment like this, and this is one of those moments where they're given the opportunity to start thinking of these important things. So Catholic Heart Work Camp established in 1993. To oh, provide, well, yeah, you know all this. <laughs> to provide a uniquely Catholic experience of, of service. There are lots of different organizations out there that provide service opportunities with a faith component uh, for different different Christian churches and things like that but there was nothing specifically Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have Catholic groups who would go to these Christian service projects and these Christian service camps so that they could grow, but there was no, there was no Eucharist, there was no mm -hmm. confession, the, the sacraments were missing, these things that were uniquely Catholic and that are, are particular to our faith. And, and I mean, not for nothing, but the Catholic faith is all about this generous gift of self to others. Yeah. That that's the yeah. the charge of the gospel is to give of yourself generously to those who are in need. Mm -hmm. And so when Catholic Heart was founded in '93, it was specifically for that purpose to say we want to teach Catholic teenagers that their faith, their Catholic faith, calls them to this. And there's a, a, a way that we do this. There's a way that we can also then grow in our understanding of the faith that inspires all of this. And so one of the the great aspects of it is that you have each day starting with Mass. And then from the mass, we go out to work. Mm -hmm. And as, the, as they go out to work, they're, they're encountering people and they're being reminded of, of their charge to bring the gospel to people and to serve them and to see Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. And then they come back at the end of the day, at the, at the end of their work day. And this might sound like a strange thing to say. And I'm, so my phrasing is, is perhaps not the best phrasing, but I'm going to use it anyway. Okay. We take advantage of the fact that they're exhausted. Oh, yes. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're tired from this day of, of work. And we say, all right, now come in and have this spiritual experience. Now we're going to talk to you about, about Jesus. Now we're going to give you some exercise to do that's, that's a spiritual reflection. Take what you've just done all day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in your weariness, you are tired now. I want you to think about this. Yeah. And it really does get them thinking different. So the next day, the second day of work, they go out to work. And now they're, they're thinking about how can I find that chance to serve? What can I do today? How can I take that extra step? And maybe for the first time, somebody's put them in a position to say, take the next step. Because at home, they don't have to. No. At home, it's either done for them or mm -hmm. they, they fulfill their responsibilities and, and that's it. They don't look for something extra. Mm -hmm. But when you're faced with the opportunity to serve and to see the poor, mm -hmm. then that opportunity to take another step to do something extra. So it's not just that, all right, I painted this wall. 
it's now I'm also going to clean up having painted the wall. Oh, so, sorry. That that was literally my week. <laughs> <laughs> was painting a wall. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was, oh, was... cleaning up after people who had painted walls. <laughs> because. Because oh, so one I... of your kids was a terrible painter. <laughs> he could not paint for the life of him. He was, honestly, I thought this was going to be easy. And all the girls in our group had to go back in and clean it. Like, they were cleaning window trim. The, the kid was cleaning, like, he was painting the window. <laughs> the like, glass itself. The glass itself. Nice. That's great. Yeah, That's the awesome. baseboards were dripping, and I but mean, see, this is another thing. Kids can learn skills that they wouldn't otherwise. Oh, learn. for sure. So I asked him at the end of it. He goes, "Do you think your parents would ever let you paint?" He goes, "Probably not." <laughs> but this is one of those like they they can learn to have a skill that that maybe they didn't have before because a lot of kids have never had the chance to use a hammer. Yeah. Use a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. They've never had the chance to to do certain things. I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine got a job, and one of the responsibilities she had at this job was to vacuum the store, and she accepted the job yeah, and then didn't know how to use a vacuum cleaner. <gasps> she had never used a vacuum cleaner in her, her entire life. Oh, wow. Um, she, they had one at her house, but her, her mom did all the cleaning. Wow. And so she had never been expected to, to do this. I'm like, how do you not know how to use a vacuum cleaner? It's, <sighs> it's really easy. It's one of the easiest things you'll ever do. Actually, it's so funny because I bought a vacuum a year ago and my roommate was like, how do you use this? Because <laughs> she usually sweeps. And I'm like, you need a vacuum. I mean, sweeping is good too, but it doesn't yeah, work on carpet. Doesn't so, doesn't work well. Anyway, all right. Kids are able to be vulnerable. Yeah. When they when they take this kind of a, a trip. Yeah. What else did you take away from this year's experience at Catholic Heart? I mostly that quarantine broke a lot of people. That so that was that was really a huge recognition and just for me as a youth minister to realize a lot of people were coming in with a lot of heavy things and a lot of brokenness, which was shared with me. Um, and just the spirit and the culture that our teens are coming from, so much is expected of them. And they're not living in a place of being children of God. Like in, in so many ways, they're being told like all these other identities. Um, and the one that doesn't get affirmed enough, um, is that of being a beloved son and a beloved daughter. Mm. And that's heartbreaking because every time I had a conversation with a particular teen, um, each of them struggling with something, all I saw was it's all about identity. If you don't know your identity as a beloved son or daughter, it makes living in this world very difficult, um, very hopeless. And the Lord in me was just showing like, me as a youth minister, my job is to communicate again and again and again their identity. And in one of my classes, we had talked about how doctrine leads to conviction, but there needs to be a repetition of doctrine, like what is true about God, what is true about ourselves, repeated again and again and again until the heart is convicted of the truth. And that's what Catholic Heart offered that opportunity to repeat the doctrine, the truth of, of who God is, of who these students are in their identities as beloved sons and daughters again and again. So they're reminded that they're loved. Mm. Um, and then when they come home, I got to keep doing that. And sometimes I remember there was one point in my, I wondered if I myself sounded like a broken record. Probably, but that's okay. Right. So, so I'm realizing, you know what, that's okay. If I feel like I'm a broken record because we are in constant need of being reminded. Um, I forget my identity all the time. And there's times where I live it freely, but we live in this broken world and um, we have this broken view in the shattered view of who God the Father is sometimes. And like Jesus is healing that image, healing that lens by which we see ourselves in the world. 
Um, but you know, we're going to see the fullness and the glory of that in heaven. But right now as we're on earth is our, our role as ministers is to constantly remind the people of their identity. And that's what God does in scripture. That's what God does in our, in our personal everyday life. So that was this other takeaway is like, now that they're home, they're like excited, but you know, they're going to be on a retreat high and I'm expecting in a couple of weeks, they're going to be like fizzled out. So I have to be there to step right. in and be like, remember how you were loved. And I love this line in scripture. This is in revelation. Remember your first love, go back to when the Lord pursued you go back to when you had that experience to continue this journey of persevering in the faith. And like the Lord gives us these moments of consolation to help us in the journey. Um, so that when there's a time of feasting and you really are feeling the Lord go receive, take in as much as you can, because a time of fasting is going to happen. Yeah. You know, you're going to need something to sustain you. And that's good. That's good spiritual advice to go back to that first experience, go back to that place where you, you encountered the Lord. That's, that's a good idea. Just in general, Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're struggling in faith or struggling in your prayer life to just go back and, and remember what it was like the first time you encountered Jesus or remember what it was like at a time when your prayer life was really strong. Mm-hmm. That's just good advice. Go back and remember it. Not because you need to replicate it. Right. Right. It can't, it can't be replicated. It, yeah. And it's not necessary to have it happen all over again or exactly the same way, Right, but just remember that it happened. And remembering that it happened, that kind of pushes you into a different place with, with the Lord where if I'm struggling, and I go back in my mind, in my heart, and I remember those experiences of, of God's love for me. If I remember those experiences in prayer where I, I really knew that the Lord was with me, then this time where I'm maybe struggling won't be as, as much of a burden. Right. Now this time will, will instead be, oh, this is just a, a logical mm-hmm. part of the of the journey. Yeah. All right. It's not always going to be that way. Yeah. All right. So here's another thing that I was thinking about is that you, you've just highlighted that identity problem and challenge Mm -hmm. and that quarantine really did break a lot of people. And there's, there's, there's a lot of healing that is going to need to happen as, as we're coming out of this, that, that people are are struggling because they've been isolated or they, they haven't really had the opportunity to, to accurately step into who they are Mm -hmm. when everything is sort of remote and, and by screen, you lose touch with the reality around you. This was an awesome experience because you had all these, all these kids coming together Mm-hmm. And actually sitting face to face and talking to one another yeah. and, and actually able to be in the same room and be together. And there's a great beauty in that. I found myself recognizing exactly the same issues that you were recognizing. And I love how you were going right into the let's let's get into this with with our teens and let's help them to be reaffirmed in who they are as beloved sons and daughters of God. Let's remind them of this, mm-hmm. because in my mind, one of the places that I was going was what's the course correction? Because there's another component that's involved, and that is the adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, adults are, are just as much a mess as, as teens. Oh, yeah. I think we, should, we should always be willing to acknowledge that. that we're, we're just one step ahead. Yeah, we, God willing, we're, just, we're one step ahead. We're older messes, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> These teens are, are a mess, but the, the adults are, are also a mess, just older, Yeah. several years older. That's it. Yeah. But what, what I was seeing was that a lot of our, our adults – are, are struggling tremendously um, with all of this because there's a uh, th- there's a, a sense of, of I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the next thing is uh, and and those adults as they as they struggle unfortunately can visit their issues on the very teens they're trying to serve oh my gosh yes and so as they're as they're visiting those issues on the very teens that they're trying to serve or trying to, to help, 
they're actually creating problems. Now, this is this is me. I think this is parents. This is this is everybody. We as adults need to do a better job for the sake of our kids. Yeah. If we're struggling, all right, but we've got to do a better job for the kids. Yeah. We're, we're not helping them. No. And I'm really convicted, and I don't know the solution. This is, I think, the frustrating thing for me. I don't know the solution. I don't know exactly what to do. I don't have the, I don't have enough knowledge. Yeah. I don't have enough data, but. I know that we're not doing something right or maybe and several things. No, I'm going to add on to that because one of the things I keep seeing is, um, I'm recognizing the depth of the term of parentified children where they start taking on roles or burdens. And this what makes it so difficult for a teen to know their, their identity as a child. And to know God as father, as the authority in their life, as the parent, as somebody they can trust. And um, the longer, obviously, that I'm in ministry, the more that I just see that um, there are just certain roles for certain times and for certain ages and seasons. And there's a, there's just a lot of intermixing, which is causing great confusion on a young heart. Yeah. Um, to Because now they, they feel like they need to perform and earn and, and then they start treating God in this manner. If God doesn't show up, it's because did I not, did I do something wrong? Is it like, do I need to perform more? Well, and then you just get excited, exhausted and you burn out. Yeah. Well, if you go and look, look at like a typical millennial, that's us. No, that's me. That's You're us. the older one. I'm, I'm, an old I'm more of like the I average know. millennial. But if you look at the, the arguments when it comes to student debt, for example, <laughs> don't talk to me about student <laughs> debt. <laughs> but you, you'll hear people say, well, why don't you just get a job and work through college? Well, the difference is that college costs so much more. It's ridiculous. And the amount of money that you can earn is not going to come nearly close enough to what it's it enough once to get was. you books. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Once upon a time, you could work your way through college. It's it's not really as possible anymore. The other part is in order to get a job that pays halfway decently, you have to have a college degree. But in order to have a college degree, you have to go into debt. The only way you can pay off your debt is if you have a, a decent job. But the only way you can have a decent job is if you go to college and put yourself into debt. And then you die. And then you wonder what it was all for. I Sorry, I've gone through this well, my so, this is, but add add to that now, because now it's it's not just you know our generation having gone through it. Yeah. Now add to that the the intense pressure that's on kids. When I was a high school chaplain, and this is going back now six years, mm -hmm. seven years almost. When I was a high school chaplain, watching kids who were applying to 10, 11, 15 colleges, and who were putting the pressure on themselves to take all these AP classes. When I was here the first time as parochial vicar, so. 13 years ago, mm -hmm. rewind 13 years ago. And what I was dealing with was kids who were as sophomores in high school, taking these AP classes, taking SAT prep classes, taking ACT prep classes, and this intense pressure that I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to perform in all these different ways. And that's only accelerated. It's only gotten worse. It's mm -hmm. that, that pressure has, has only increased. And what's happening then? Is these these kids, and then add quarantine to it, where mm -hmm. they're they're isolated and they're they're doing everything remotely, and mm -hmm. they're they're told that they've got to be concerned about all these different things, and this is going to really interfere with their future, and that's that's all they're being told all the time is they've got to they've got to achieve all this stuff, right? But are we really helping them to develop? And I, I've got a, a very very serious question about that: Are we really helping them to to grow as human beings? Right? Are we creating a, a world for them where we're sending we're just sending them out in, into a world that they can't function in. Right. But we're emotionally, sending, emotionally. Yeah. But we're sending them into a world that they can't function in because we, we didn't let them, yeah. we didn't let them grow into that. And yeah. I, I really think we've, we've got to, as adults take a really hard look at 
the pressures that we put on kids to do different things. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to have that conversation. I don't know exactly where to begin, but there's, there's a real problem Mm -hmm. and it's not an unsolvable one. This is the good news, right? We can fix this. We can do things for them. We can help, but there's, there's so much that we've got to do better. I think too, it's, you need to make it look like you are worthy of entering these colleges. So you have to have all these activities and all these things that you're involved in. They are too busy, in my opinion. Yeah. They are way too busy because it, like, if it takes a week at Catholic Heart for them to stop and think about their heart, that's an injustice on them. Like to give them, they need the space to to know, like, because some of them, I'm like, I, I've just been running away from things. I don't know what's going on, and now I'm really overwhelmed because all these thoughts are finally coming in, and all I've been doing is drowning out with noise and and all this stuff, and it's like the eternal perspective about who they are and and the life that they're called to live the rest of their life is there's no peace in this there's there's no peace and and they struggle and and God wants to give them peace God wants to give them a place to rest and I don't know I'm still trying to figure it out too but all I know is at the very least when those who are coming to me I know that thank God they're coming to me yeah and like, praise God, like, and they're inviting other friends to come in a couple of weeks. That See, right, we, there, yeah. right there, they're searching. Yeah. Young people are, are searching for Yeah, and they the just right need the space to, to search. And, yeah. and that's the gift of Catholicism is that you are not just growing spiritually. That Your spirituality is based on your human formation. How are you living in this world? That God has a plan for you in the land of the living. Like it says it in scripture. Like, I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. Like you do not have to wait until heaven to fully experience God's goodness, mm. but to walk in it now and in living in this world, um, your humanity, the natural part of you is very much a part of that. But the natural world, the order in which a lot of these students are living in is totally distorted, yeah. chaotic. It's well, one of the things that I, I saw happen this year and it, it, it hit me the other day as I was, I was just kind of reflecting on what the week was. Going back to that question of identity, mm-hmm. and so often we have young people who don't know their identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. And if they don't know that that identity as a beloved son or daughter, then there's going to be a question, there's going to be a struggle, there's going to be something that, that doesn't sit right for them. I, I noticed that there, there are kids who, by our society, are, are sort of being told, you should be ashamed of who you are. Or, or who you are somehow is, is bad, even though you've not done anything that's not your fault. So if, if you are born and you look this way, if you're born into this kind of family, if you're born into this environment, it's that's bad and, and you should be ashamed of that and mm-hmm. you should repent of that. And the kids, it's not his fault that he was born looking this way or that he was born into this kind of family. But they're being told you should, you should be ashamed of this. And then everything else is uh, somehow your, your identity is always going to be oppressed. Yeah. Somehow, whatever whatever you 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 are, or however you feel, uh, you're a victim yeah. in this. Yeah. So either you're bad. Yeah. Or you're a victim. There's no in between. There's no virtue in this. And there's no virtue exactly. Yeah. And, and there's no there's no sense of of, in, in the proper order, self determination. Yeah. That I am not defined by my circumstances. I am not defined by these these other things. There's there's something even more. Yeah. And then how many of our of our kids are dealing with this idea that they have to just put on and act. Yeah. Those identity issues are, are very real and it's, it's sort of all over the place. Right. And, and on the other side was what I had been watching too, was 
um, how we affirm brokenness. Like, uh, like brokenness does need to be addressed, like things that people carry, but the way that now a student, and this is what I did when I was younger was I identified myself with my brokenness and I determined like, this is who I am and this is how I want people to see me. And it was very hard to let that go because I had built a comfort around like my hurts, like, you know what? And I kind of wore it like a badge and I'm watching some of these kids like wear like a badge. I'm like, no, Jesus wants to take that away from you. And it took me years for me to recognize like, oh my gosh, like, Lord, you are after my brokenness. You are after my hurts. And you don't want me to live like this, this but is, our culture this is, the is the opposite. Yeah, and this is where we as adults need to step in and be able to say, there's something more for you. Yeah. There's healing that's available. Right. For you. Instead of just saying, yeah, okay, you can you can live in that brokenness, and that's wonderful. We're going to celebrate how broken you are, and we're going to celebrate that you're that you're in pain or that you're struggling or, or whatever it is, or we're going to tear you down for it until you completely renounce that th- these things. That's not what we're about. No. What we have to do is, is instead say there's there's this healing and there's this this grace that's available for you. So I'm glad that Catholic Heart gives the opportunity for that. But almost any kind of experience of, of just getting away from your your normal routine mm-hmm. is necessary. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you talked about how the kids since we've come back have been sticking with it. Yeah, they've been on staying fire. Staying together. Yeah. Uh, trying to do things together. That need for community that they've discovered that they're that they're now recognizing. One of the things I always like about sending kids away for a mission trip and the, the power of it, people always want to know, isn't there stuff they can do here? Yes, there is. And the answer is absolutely there is, yeah. right? There's always stuff they can mm-hmm. do there. But, but. It's a particular experience that they need. Exactly. That going away gives yeah. them an experience of, of serving that's different from what they would get if they stayed here. Right. And it's a good experience because by going away, they learn something. They, they unlock a capacity in themselves they didn't know they had yeah. to do good things, to serve, to, to go beyond. And then as they unlock that, as they, as they learn, then they, they come home hopefully able to see things differently. Right. A lot of them went not realizing that they needed community, mm-hmm. not realizing that they needed these friendships. And they came home fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. And now they want to develop them here. Yeah. Those are friendships that they weren't developing here. No. Those were relationships that they didn't have here. Yeah. But now having gone away, they formed those relationships and now they're taking them home. And what's so great about these these one week trips is <clears throat> it accelerates the amount of time that a student will come to like uh, a truth about God or about themselves because you are forced into community, you are forced into fellowship. And it's my favorite time because there are conversations with students I know that I could not have had if I did not have this week. Like it is important for me as a youth minister to finally like allow, like, give them the space to come to me with their things. Um, that's why I love the two day bus trip because that extra day actually gave me a greater opportunity to do one-on-ones with more students who I didn't get to evangelize. Uh, all right. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like Maybe. I was very annoyed about the second, like the fact that this was a two day thing in the beginning, but I was like, I just, I, I didn't go to Maybe. bed. I slept like five hours a day because I was always having a one-on-one with somebody. Maybe I can come around to seeing a two day trip. Maybe. I mean, I might do it again. <laughs> in, in the end, we, we both know that whatever you decide, I'm going to go with. Yeah, I know. No, like this was this was so good because some of them take a long time to open up to you. Some of them needed six days to have a conversation sure. with me, you know, or like 
seven days when there's one but, more day left on so the trip. Think about so think about that right there. Right? It's not six days to have a conversation with you. Right. Or just to, to, to open six up. Six days to, to open themselves yeah. up to what God right. wants to do. Right. And to allow uh, allow themselves that space mm-hmm. to receive. Exactly. To open themselves up enough to say, this is the burden that I'm carrying. This is the struggle that I have. And and I want help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so these trips are definitely necessary. You you want them because man, it's just, it's so good. If they didn't have this week, it would probably take months and normal youth ministry to get to this point. But this was all done in the span of a week. And that is the gift of going away. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and then just to experience God's power in like, my gosh, he's always been faithful to me. I just haven't been paying attention. Right. You know, and then you come back and like, okay, well now how do I enter into the ordinary? How do I walk down from this mountain experience and realize God is still with me in the so-called valley, you know, like as much as he was with me up in the summit and I saw his glory and, and all of that, he's still with me when I come back down. Um, so that is why it's good. And then, yeah, just, they just have this fire that's going to continue. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to see. I'm really glad we got to do it. I'm really glad we got to, to take this this step with them and to, to go with them. They want to go to Puerto Rico next year. Woo. (laughs) I'm just thinking about the humidity (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to die. Um, I haven't decided where we're going next year, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. It'll all be good. Yeah. All right. Um, Hey, thanks for, thanks for your work. Yeah. It was a long week. It was a great week. You put in a lot of hours. Um, Yeah. No, it was, it was great. It was exciting. These are the great things that can happen when you, let the let the Lord work when we give the kids the space to encounter Jesus. Mm-hmm. The great things that can happen when you realize that it doesn't all depend on your planning and no. your, your prior preparation. Oh yeah, rather that. So God's so much the better. In control. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Amen. All right. This is hey, we're like the Lamb. I'm Father Sam Kajuba. And I'm Paula Pena. God bless you. Mm-hmm.